Thank you for tuning into Mr. Carter's podcast on AP U.S. History. For several reasons, creating a podcast on the history of the United States is a project that I've wanted to undertake for a number of years. Even when a student has collected the missing assignments, got the notes from a friend, and attempted to catch up on their own, I found that students often struggle with material that was covered on a particular day when the student was out. There's just something significant that a student misses without the benefit of the classroom environment, and despite having completed missing assignments, it's exceedingly difficult to master the content that missed lectures provide. Additionally, as an AP instructor, I've observed that a student's ability to score well on the AP exam not only depends upon their ability to write effective responses, but also to interweave as much historical detail into their work as possible. And with the vast amount of information that is to be covered, it makes it very hard for a student to be exposed to all the required content if they miss a lesson, especially when absences become habitual. I also have a passion for history and wanted another forum to spread that passion. To these ends, I've created this podcast for my students to dig a little deeper, to spark their natural love of history, and to strengthen their patriotism for this country, and to give them a little bit more information than they otherwise may not have gained if they only attended my class. Over the next 28 lectures, we will take a much deeper look into the content the College Board expects you to know for the AP exam. Now, it's understandable that the content in some of these lectures will be more interesting than others for some individuals. To be honest, I find certain eras and movements in American history more interesting and consequently more fun for me to teach than others. However, it's my goal to make these lectures as entertaining and as painless as possible for you, the listener. It was the philosophy of my mentor, Roger Nimps, a professor in the history department at The Ohio State University in Lima, who told me that we are born with a natural love of history and that it's only bad high school teachers who beat that passion out of us with mindless memorization and recitation of facts. You only have to look at the success that a great biographer like David McCullough has garnered, or the popularity of war movies or television series like Band of Brothers to understand that people love history. It fulfills a humanistic goal and inspires us. History provides an endless list of figures and their heroic acts. The study of these lives provides us with an understanding of our human morality and gives us an identity of who we are as individuals. But what if you're a history student who doesn't connect with any particular era? What if in all of your studying you never find a kindred spirit in a historical figure? Someone whose life didn't mirror your own or whose thoughts and beliefs weren't aligned to yours? Better yet, what if you don't plan on teaching history? Surely you don't need to take a history class. The current educational times in which I find myself teaching, the study of history and the importance of history in the classroom is being marginalized. I often get the same questions from students, parents, and public leaders. Why should we study history? Surely a focus on other content areas such as math and science or English is more important to our children's future successes. I'm afraid to say that many states and school districts are lumping so-called non-core subjects like history, music, and the arts together and funding them less if not completely cutting them all together. It is understandable that while we are living in an ever-growing society of instant gratifications and websites like Cha-Cha or Wikipedia, that the importance of the discipline of history can be difficult to understand. The benefits of studying history are less immediate, and we are a populace that 
lives mainly for the present and doesn't always think to plan for the future. The case for history in our classrooms must then be made. Justifying the study of history has changed over the years. For most of human history, education was reserved for only the ruling class and was used as a means for dividing the elite from the servant class. The educated elite believed there was a list of certain works of literature and knowledge of certain historical data that could separate the educated from the uneducated. Most learned societies possessed a certain collection of facts or works that were agreed upon as sacred and essential for learning. Although the subjects and works have changed over time, this practice in education has lasted for a very long time, and its remnants can still be seen in school curricula all over the world. By recalling 1215 as the year in which King John of England accepted Magna Carta, or by reciting some quotation from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, a man could identify himself as one of the educated elite. Now, the memorization of these dates only seem valuable if you're planning on making an appearance on Jeopardy. Continuing to use the mastery of history as a means of dividing society is no longer a valid justification for its study. So the question remains, why study history? Peter N. Stearns, in his essay, Why Study History, views the study of history as a laboratory. He believes that history provides a storehouse of information about how peoples and societies behave. In biology or chemistry, students use laboratories to construct experiments and collect data. In much the same way, Stern sees the whole of history as our laboratory, and all the primary and secondary sources, all the artifacts we can collect as our data, and must serve as our most vital evidence in understanding why our complex world behaves the way it does. The study of history is fundamental to individuals and societies and yields its students numerous benefits. Of these, I'll explain four. History gives us an understanding of the operations of peoples and societies that would otherwise be hard to understand. If we took a contemporary snapshot approach to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, we would only get a paper-thin understanding into a very complex social problem one that is thousands of years old and has various layers of political, social, and religious history. History is the only discipline that provides us with the materials to study and understand the human condition. History also helps us understand change and continuity in society. By studying change over time and continuity, students of history can make judgments on what societies value and what they reject. The past causes the present and the future, and it is only through history that we understand how and why things change and the scope in which they change. We can't always fully comprehend change and continuity that occurs in our own time. Sometimes it takes only a look back into recent history to understand these changes. However, most of the time it takes a much deeper and a broader look at history in order to understand change over time and continuity. But history is indispensable to understanding why things change. The study of history is a prerequisite for good citizenship. All too often, this has been used as the sole justification for why we include history in our school curriculum. Education leaders lean on the belief that the study of one's national history promotes a national identity and loyalty, and that students will gain a greater appreciation for our institutions, our national problems, and our values. 
After spending 12 years in the public school system, our children ought to then leave as responsible adults who will become very informed and very active voters or local community leaders. However, if we only take a brief analysis of the studies of past elections, we can easily recognize a recent downward trend in voter turnout, and we could easily argue against this rationale. However, for many people, these first three reasons fall short of justifying why every student, despite their career path, must study history. So what then are we left with? Why should we study history? I'd like to think there's a higher calling for the study of history rather than the simple love and loyalty to one's country or recitation of uh, facts. In fact, most students who major in history do not become history professors or even work in museums. Why then are history majors so desirable? History prepares students for the long haul. History majors make good business people professionals and political leaders because their discipline grants them great range and flexibility that are required by many working environments. The study of history gives a student the ability to assess evidence, to identify and address bias by evaluating sources, as well as the ability to assess conflicting interpretations and information. History students are well trained in research, the ability to identify and evaluate sources of information. They have highly developed writing and speaking skills and are able to analyze trends and patterns. These are all skills that employers are desperately seeking. And in the economy today's high school and college graduates are entering, one's job security will be dictated by their marketable skills. On one final note, as we embark on this study of the history of the United States, I must make one final caveat. It must be acknowledged that we are people of the United States studying our own history. The history of one's own people can be a dangerous undertaking. All too often it becomes a study in hero worship. During a time of corruption and greed, one of my favorite historians, Titus Livy, once sought out to write an unbiased history of the Roman people to prove his own nation had indeed rose from noble and honorable beginnings, and that Rome could return to its previous greatness if it could only be enlightened by its history. Unfortunately for Livy, what he found were scrolls narrating the acts of great Romans whose corruption and greed led to the downfall of not only themselves, but the Republic as well. Unfortunately, Livy allowed his bias to affect his work and much of the history of Rome that he created was mythologized. Much like Rome, our own country was founded by well-intentioned people, some of whom had great flaws in their own character. However, unlike Livy, we must not necessarily overcome our bias, but be aware of it as we study the history of the United States. Again, I'd like to thank you for your interest in this course and hope that a portion of my passion for the study of history passes along to you, that you find a particular era fascinating, that you connect with a figure of history you identify with, that you gain an understanding for the values and the morals of the United States, and that you gain a greater identity as an American, that you anticipate what the future has in store for the United States, and most importantly, that you acquire the skills that history has to offer.